In today's gospel, we have the opportunity to repent, and now is the time. And then Jesus tells the parable of the fig tree. Please rise. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke in the 13th chapter. There were some present at that very time who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And he answered them, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those 18 on whom the tower of Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. And he said to the vine dresser, Look, for three years now I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? And he answered him, Sir, Let it alone this year also until I dig around it and put on manure. Then if it should bear fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. This is the gospel of the Lord. Well, it's just not fair. You ever heard your kids say that? (laughs) Maybe you're telling them something to do or not do, and they say, well, that's not fair. Or the kids say it to each other, you know, well, that's not fair. You cheated. Uh, I, I can remember, you know, and I'm sure you can too, my, my kids thinking that we're not treating them equal or fair. Right now, they're 28 and 30. We still hear that. <laughs> that it's not fair. Or you do something for them and not for me and whatever. Uh, but even as adults, you think about it. How many of you in the workplace know of at least one person who seems to get away with everything, never gets in trouble, they're on their cell phone all the time, or, or they show up late all the time, or they call out all the time, and they do just as well as you, or maybe they get a promotion over you. Everybody has been there. Just about every workplace has somebody like that. And it's not fair. It's not right. And now we're in this political season. Boy, you hear a lot of that, don't you? You talk about fair and equal and all this kind of talk that everybody's throwing all these things out, you know, about, well, I don't see why, you know, I shouldn't have to work so hard to support somebody who's not. That seems to be the most common one. Uh, And, you know, there is a lot of unfairness a lot of injustice and a lot of things that are just not just. They're just not right. But today's world is no different than it ever was before. The world has been that way since the beginning. And in the first lesson today, the one that Tiff did such a great job reading, a difficult lesson, <laughs> because it's, the logic is really convoluted in that lesson. 
but kind of talks about what's just and what's not just. So let me try to summarize that lesson for you in two or three little sentences. I told Tiff I was going to do this, and she said, well, can I just read your part? (laughs) Here it is. If you do what's right, you live. If you do what's wrong, you die. Now, that's the basic principle. But then God now starts to turn the thing around. He tells Ezekiel, I want you to go tell people this, that people who are dying in their sins, I want you to go tell them, and now if they don't listen, that's their problem. But if I tell you to go and you don't do it, and then they die, you got to pay for that. But then he says, now, let's suppose you got a person who does right, is a righteous person and lives a good life and everything, and then when they get down to the end, all of a sudden they turn around and they do bad. Then they're going to die. Now the people would think, well, wait a minute, that's not fair, because they did all those good things, they did all that right stuff all their life, and that certainly should outweigh what, evil or whatever they did at the end. Why should they die? That's not just. And God says, well, wait a minute. If they do wrong, they die. (laughs) Okay, isn't that what I said? Or on the other hand, what if somebody's been a scoundrel all their life? I mean, thinking about nothing but themselves, hurting other people, shoving people out of the way to get what they want, and they've been that way all their life. But then somehow at the end, they come around, and, and they get it right, and, and they figure it out, and they start to do what's right, and they do what the, the lesson called righteousness. Well, then they'll live. But then the people say, well, wait a minute, that's not fair. Look at all the bad stuff they did all their life, all that stuff. And then just because they did something, you know, good right at the end, they get saved. They're going to live. Doesn't make any sense. And God says, you know what? It's not, I'm not the one that's unjust. You are. Because if somebody ends up doing right, then that's okay with me. That's the message of the gospel anyway, even though they didn't understand it the same way back then. But then God ends that lesson, he says, but, he says, you just worry about yourself. Just worry about yourself, because I will judge each person based on their own merits or lack of them. So don't worry about everybody else or what I do with everybody else. That's not very much different than, than the situation that Jesus found himself in when he was teaching, and there's some of the people, and they're always trying to trip Jesus up. So some of the people are coming and saying, yeah, but don't you think that those Galileans that were murdered by Pilate and their blood was mixed up even with their own sacrifices, don't you think there was something wrong with them? Don't you think they deserve that? I mean, that that happened to them because they were bad or because they were you know, God was bringing judgment on him or something like that. Don't you think that? And Jesus said, no, that's not it. But if you, 
supposedly good and righteous people, if you don't repent, you're going to perish. Or don't you think those people that the Tower of Siloam, you know, just a little west of here, you know, that the Tower of Siloam fell on and killed them? There must have been something wrong with them, right? For that to happen to them. And Jesus says, no. But if you don't repent, you will perish. You see, what they were doing is what we all do. They were comparing themselves. They are comparing themselves to other people that had bad stuff happen to them. Say, well, there must have been something wrong. It must somehow be God's judgment. And somehow we like to look at our lives and say, you know, I pretty well got it together and I'm not really a bad person and everything. And, you know, and these other people out there that all these things happen to that have a hard life that, that doesn't seem to work for them or whatever, there must be something wrong. And that's our tendency. We don't come right out and say that all the time, but, but that's part of human nature. We want to compare ourselves. Why do we want to compare ourselves? Because we want to make ourselves feel good. So we usually compare ourselves to people who are in worse shape than us or people who are not doing it right or whatever and say, I'm not like that. I'm okay. But Jesus says, no, you need to repent. You need to repent. It's kind of the same thing that God said. Just watch out for yourself. Don't be concerned about all the other people. And when we look at ourselves honestly, we see that, no, we don't measure up. There are things in our lives that we need to repent for. And so then we get down to what Paul had to say uh, in, in his lesson. And he uses the example of, of the Old Testament people when they were in the wilderness and wandering. And he uses some examples of some destruction that came on them because they had gotten like way out of line on some things, idolatry, sexual immorality, things like that, you know, grumbling, complaining against God, you know, criticizing God for the way he's doing things. And now you got keep in mind, these are God's people, okay? These are the people that God went to great lengths and miraculous deeds to get out of Egypt to fulfill a promise that he had made to Abraham 400 years before. So these are God's people, his chosen people, the ones that he had set aside to be a nation, to come and take Israel and, and from whom the Messiah was going to come. So these are God's people. But, but Paul says, look what happened to them. Does that mean they were any less God's people? No, they were punished for what they did. They had to answer for what they did, even though they were God's people. And I don't know about you, I consider myself one of God's people. I'm sure you all do too, that here we are, a gathering of God's people, but we are not exempt. We cannot sit, sit here and say, you know, I'm in church this week and so-and-so's not. You know, I'm okay. Paul says, in that lesson, he said, So, if you think you are standing firm, be careful 
and do not fall because that temptation is always there. It happens when we think we're standing firm, then we have the tendency to try and compare ourselves to other people and elevate ourselves. But the fact is, we do fail. We do fall. All the warnings and all the encouragement from Ezekiel and from Jesus and from Paul saying, be careful, we hear all that stuff. But we still fail. We still fall down. We still miss the boat. We still mess up. We still sin. And if God is really going to be just, we know what that brings. If you do wrong, you die. Even though we want to say, but that's just not fair because look at all the good things I've done. So we know what the penalty is, but justice was done. Justice was done, but it was done on Christ. The retribution was made but it was on Christ. The punishment was exacted, but it was on Christ. But now there is some injustice here. And I really think that the greatest injustice in this whole scenario that I've been talking about is grace. Grace is unjust. Justice demands our death. But grace, grace is unjust. It's not part of that old system. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. Grace is not getting what we do deserve. Because the justice part of it has already been taking place on the cross when Christ was there. So now grace, the greatest injustice, is ours. This season of Lent, we are called to repent. We are called to do right. And then when we fail, we are invited to come into God's presence. To come to Him to rely on his grace to be justified, made right through Christ. I want to leave you with a passage that comes from Isaiah 46. Um, And it was interesting, after I had this sermon ready and I had this passage, I found this passage uh, a few weeks ago actually, I was looking at our daily bread for Friday and this passage shows up. And I was looking at the NALC Lenten devotional book for Friday, and the same theme is reinforced. And I thought, gotcha, spirit. Okay. From Isaiah 46, where God says this, and this is, this is God's word of encouragement to you during this season of Lent as he invites you to come to him. Listen to me, descendants of Jacob, all you who remain in Israel. 
I have cared for you since you were born. Yes, I carried you before you were born. I will be your God throughout your lifetime until your hair is white with age. I made you and I will care for you. I will carry you along and save you. God invites you to come to him to hear that kind of a word over and over and over again.